Welcome to the STR Data Lab. Jamie Lane, let's do this. And by this, I of course mean the STR Data Lab by AirDNA. I am Mariah Kamei, co-host to Jamie Lane, VP of Research here at AirDNA. And today, I believe this episode is going live on Thanksgiving Day. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. We had too much to talk about. We couldn't wait. We couldn't wait for the holiday. We don't take breaks around here. We work all the time. Jamie, how the heck are you, my friend? How's life? I'm great. Uh, got to spend a week out in Phoenix uh, last week at the Focusrite conference. That was my first time going to that show uh, and was blown away uh, by the an innovation happening in the hospitality space. It was very much tech-focused, very much new innovation, uh, new companies sort of pitching their ideas, sort of showing us uh, what the next, uh, what's coming next in the industry. I was, I was excited to see it. Oh, that's very cool. You're making me jealous. Although I was in Barcelona, in Barcelona all week. So I'm only so jealous because, yeah, I don't know. Phoenix, Barcelona, but learning cool tech, very cool. And Demi, Demi, our CEO, was uh, sat in on a really great, she led a roundtable discussion on diversity and inclusion. Very super, super important things for us. So yeah, it sounds like it was really successful. I actually sat in on the panel too for my own learning. You did? Yeah, so it was great. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that we're talking about that kind of stuff in our business. I already came out back with quite a few takeaways on how I can help my team. So it was great learnings. And I, I feel like so many companies are going to have good takeaways to, on how they can improve their own organizations. Oh my gosh. I love that. I, uh, yeah, I think it's so important. I know we've dedicated a lot of resources. We have an individual, Kumi, that sits on the people operations team whose specialty is DE&I. And yeah, just again, I think it's just such a great place for this industry to focus, right? Because there, there's a little bit, of, little bit of privilege in our business, for sure, for sure. Well, and then while you were there, I just felt like every time I turned around, Brian from Airbnb was in the news. Things were happening. Quarterly earnings reports. Yeah, it sounds like Airbnb's feeling pretty bullish here going into 2023. What were your key takeaways from the earnings call? Yeah, you would think with the sort of impending recession and, the, and us talking ourselves into recession that he may <laughs> uh, start to talk back some of the, uh, and you listen to the tech space and it's layoffs, continual sort of embarrassment that I'm and we're in a recession and that there's going to be a pullback and I mean, you just don't hear it. You didn't hear it at Focusrite. You don't hear it uh, with really any of the travel CEOs. I listened in on all the earnings calls on big hotel companies, uh, the big OTAs, Booking, Expedia, Airbnb, and the Wall Street analysts, they, they asked them like, are you seeing weakness? Where is it? And I don't think a single one pointed out or was able to point out any weakness in their own business. Airbnb, nights booked were up 25% year over year. That's unbelievable. And given that they were already fully recovered from the uh, pandemic last year, we're able to really grow off of that and shows the strength. I think it maybe puts to let rest uh, some of the Airbnb bust folklore out there that they were seeing declines in their bookings. Um, right, right. Yeah, I mean, 25% more bookings and only 15% more listings. 
So if you're on Airbnb, more than likely you saw more bookings coming through that channel than at any other time. So for Airbnb, I think it was an amazing earnings release. Yeah, totally. I think they had what, like revenue grew 29% year over year. As the, as you said, really driven by nights booked and ADR, adjusted EBITDA of 1.5 billion, um, which, so it increased 32% compared to uh, Q3 of 2021. So lots and lots of health really just, I think, indicating that they are feeling pretty stable and justifiably so. The numbers, the numbers are there. And their stock went down. I know. I, that, you know what? That's a, yeah. Uh huh. Saw that too. Saw that too. <laughs> so, so that was that was primarily around their their expectations for Q4 and sort of leading right, into right, right. 23. Uh, so they sort of guided that they expect revenue to be up 20 percent year over year in Q4. And you just mentioned 29 percent growth and. Q3, so incrementally lower growth. And I think right. that caught a few people by by surprise that and growth isn't going to be as strong as we look forward out into the future as it has been so far. And broadly, I think that's to be expected. Our outlook has revenue growth slowing broadly for the industry. We expect sl- supply growth to slow some. And maybe that gets us to the winter release of it was all about supply. Yeah, it's all it's all about supply. I need to come up with a cute saying for that one as well. Um, and it's funny. Yeah, I think our our press team was just saying it's the only thing anyone ever wants to know about is what's happening with supply. But I do I I like what you're saying, and this is why Jimmy Lane. For me, I always try to underpromise, over deliver. You know, it's like maybe make those growth numbers a little lower. I don't know. That's the advice from the non-economists in the room. But yeah, so then this great earnings report, little stock dip, was followed by the winter release, which is always highly anticipated by our little, in our little neck of the woods, as they say. Definitely, they were sending quite, Airbnb was sending quite a few signals that they are really focused on growing their supply, attracting uh, more hosts, but, you know, probably a specific type of host, which we can get into in a minute. And I think you, you anecdotally, I think you've maybe set, set someone in your family up with Airbnb. Is that true? Like you've helped them with the onboarding yeah. process, very intimately aware of how it works. Yeah. So and I've done a few, I'm listing to my own, but and with their sort of main goal around growing supply and how, and I think Brian says it is how to unlock the next generation of hosts. Hosts do tend to be older Americans, older uh, generation people around the world. And as someone who has helped my own mother uh, set up her listings. Shout out to mom. Shout out to all moms (laughs) out there. uh, Yes. (laughs) It wasn't the easiest thing to do. But if there is another super host out there that was willing to just share their screen with my mom and help her set up that listing, I do think that that could have a very positive impact on being able to grow supply, uh, being able to get people through that process, not get stuck in the minutia of like, uh, I don't want to list, or I don't know how to title my listing. I don't know I, how many photos I should get put on, which photo should I choose as my main one? Sort of, there's so many decisions that go into that process. And if Airbnb was finding that just having someone to help them through that decisioning process, get the listing live. Um, and then once that happens, I mean, they're golden. That was definitely a, a piece of this. They've got their 400,000 super hosts out there to sort of choose from. They've got their 1,500 amb- ambassadors 
And I think I heard that they're sort of using to roll this out with. So you're going to get someone that knows the Airbnb platform through and through, helping you set up the, your listing. It's got to help. And then and just more support from Airbnb and even just being able to choose the type of guests. Like if I'm going to be starting with Airbnb, it's my first listing. I don't also want a first time guest. <laughs> <'Cause laughs> there's just the opportunity for none of us to know what we're supposed to be doing <laughs> and the opportunity for disaster. So I'd be able to pick, like, I want to get some experienced guests in for my first time. Some of these things that sort of reduce the friction to help grow supply, I, I think were, were good parts of the release. 100%. Um, I love so of course, I just went, naturally went to Airbnb virgins. Like if you're both virgins, maybe it's just not a good <laughs> But I, I want a mentor for everything in my life, right? We've <laughs> like, yes, it is. It does feel daunting. How do I list this property? How do I take a great photo? How do I even decorate it, right? I know all of that. I know there's tons of debates on what color your sheet's going to be, all of that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to leave this whole virgin analogy alone, but... Okay. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I took that a little, okay, well, you know, people expect that from me, Jamie, from me, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I mean, the other thing, and I mean, we definitely had this conversation, my wife and I, when we first put our house up on Airbnb, is just the potential for damage in your house and getting comfortable with that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. adding the additional air cover to not only cover sort of the liability around guests in your home, but if they damage things in your property. Uh, so totally. paintings, cars, boats, anything on property. Uh, providing ad additional damage coverage for those, and then guest verification. So actually verifying the ID. Uh, they're starting in 35 countries. We know this is something hosts care about. There's companies already out there that provide this, like AirHog. So Airbnb getting into this, I think, is going to give a lot more hosts that ability to feel comfortable that at least I mean, they've uploaded an ID. That's been verified by Airbnb. I know who's coming to the property. There's much lower chance for fraud uh, for things happening outside of your control. Yeah, a lot of those really great signals of professionalization, right? And and yeah, I think there's always there's always been sort of that reputation of like, yeah, you stay in Airbnb because you're going to go party, which is you know, I mean, only probably true half the time. I, I don't, where's the stat there? We'll figure it out. Well, I think so the big so I think the big headline, the thing that I did see a lot of people reacting to on LinkedIn, which is, you know, because I'm an older millennial, my preferred social platform at this point was the talk of the all in one pricing. That was sort of the yeah. big I felt like that was the big headline, a little bit of a mixed bag there. Sounds like the intentionality was to sort of, you know, level the playing field for folks um, felt a little bit more like a guest driven update to benefit guests. But yeah, what was your take? Because I know you've been, I know we've talked a lot about my favorite topic, which is cleaning fees and how, how those sneaky things come up. <laughs> yeah. And you, you may not have seen it a lot hanging out on LinkedIn, but on, on TikTok and uh, Facebook. Oh, you're so much cooler sort of, than me. <laughs> there's a big, big sort of backlash against sort of high cleaning fees. Uh, sort of the the massive uh, guest checkout list, things like that. And to Brian and Airbnb's credit, I mean, they're trying to respond to that. Uh, and so on one side for the guests, I'm seeing all-in pricing. 
is great. So you start your search, you know what you're going to pay from the outset, and you're going to have a much better experience. Uh, that's actually, and by law, the default in Europe and throughout much of the world. It's not the default in the U.S. And I think in the U.S., and we've sort of been trained that and when you see a price on a menu, uh, that's not actually the price you're going to pay. You're going to pay a tip. You're going to pay taxes. Yes, tax. You're yeah. going to... There's sort of your initial price, and then there's your all-in price. The service fees, the cleaning fees, all the rest. <laughs> right, and and for and we've looked into this on a key reason why people choose a short-term rental over a hotel. Uh, one of the top two reasons continually given is value. Uh, so people are coming to our industry to find good value, um, and if then they get to the end and it's not as good as the value that they thought, uh, they're maybe not as happy as they otherwise would have been. In major cities in the U.S., average one-bedroom short-term rental is about 30% cheaper than the average hotel room. So on the surface there, there's a good argument to be made that short-term rentals do provide that value. But that 30% discount is before all the fees. Ah, so ah. now you add on the average cleaning fee, which right. uh, for an average sort of overall reservation cost, cleaning fees are about 50%, 15%. Okay, okay. And then and you add on Airbnb service charge, which usually goes to the guests. That's about 15%. So oh. now if you're seeing that initial rate inclusive of that 30% extra, we're essentially on parity with hotels. And if thinking, if you're going to a city, you're maybe going to New York and the opportunity to stay in a short-term rental versus a hotel, and let's say you don't care about the additional things you get with a short-term rental, let's say a kitchen right, or a living kitchen. room, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you just care about that sort of price and having a room to sleep in, and maybe some I'm, incrementally people do start choosing hotels over short-term rentals because of that, even if in the end it was sort of the same price to begin with. So, and I think it's yet to be seen. It's going to start as a toggle. Uh, I think they're going to start rolling it out in December. So we'll probably hear how many guests sort of toggle, toggle to see all in pricing. Right. Right. Whether they start to make it a default, I'm sure they're going to be testing what the conversion is. And if it's an, a big impact, maybe they start to roll it back. If they start to hear a lot of sort of get, I mean, higher guest satisfaction and sort of good benefits coming from it, maybe they, they, they roll it out um, uh, as a default. Well, it is. I think I think that's interesting, and you know, lots to unpack with this sort of value com conversation, right? Because I think that's the great tightrope tightrope walk, especially if you're in a more of a professional vacation rental manager situation where you may have your CEO telling you to maximize revenue, right? <laughs> um, which may be just a little bit uh, different from maximizing value for your guest, of course. Uh, but what struck me when you were saying that is that I think there could be a little bit of an element of hey, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Like what's good for the guest is good for the host, right? Because, you know, again, they, you know, a savvy guest is going to be able to sort of figure that out anyways. They're going to back into that. You know, they can, what I do is I sneaky, sneakily go all the way almost to check out so I can see what's really going to cost me. Right? So it's almost like, you know, like you could ignore the reality of the situation, which is that people are probably looking both at hotels and STRs in a lot of their searches. And I know there's been some good data points on that. Yeah, but, and, or even to dress and, it. <laughs> yeah, and even if you're and going through the checkout process to see what that all in price is, like 
that's not always doable when you're and looking at 20 different properties. They're on no. a map. You're right. and having to click through each one. But there is now the option already for guests or for hosts to start including cleaning fees in the nightly rate. And uh, Airbnb has said they're going to start prioritizing in their rank algorithm um, those hosts that are doing all-in pricing, those hosts that are providing really good value, so getting good value scores. I mean, if anything, could incentivize hosts to sort of change their behavior I mean, based on wanting to and get higher up in the rankings. You run a marketing org. Uh, you know how much, how important SEO is and making sure and you're always on that first page. And that's the same thing for hosts. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm old enough to remember when there weren't algorithms driving every decision in our lives. But, you know, at this point, yes, there's always the algorithm to contend with. So yeah. certainly going to be an interesting tightrope walk, I think, for lots of, uh, of folks, specifically, you know, a little bit more of the professionals. But really great opportunities again. And, and clearly, I think Brian and, and Airbnb are setting the signal that, you know, in order for them to really truly grow their supply, they are going to have to get people that have never done this before, right? Like, <laughs> there's only so many professionals um, out there that can add more listings, right? Yeah, and and I know over the past two years, there's been so many new guests. Like, we dove into our data and found it was like, in over the past two years, forty percent of reviews that were being left were from people leaving their first review ever. So when prior to the pandemic, it was like 20, 25%. So we've, I mean, of all the bookings and it was, what it was, 99.7 million nights booked. So many millions, what was it 90 million guests sort of staying? Like, and the amount of people now staying in this industry, experiencing it for the first time and really pushing it through. And I think Airbnbs may be thinking about this more than um, some of the other platforms, uh, bringing it to mainstream uh, and what does the platform need to look like for not just the first adopters, but for the sort of the mainstream traveler. And also, and I see them as one of the only platforms, maybe the un only platform that is trying to grow the overall supply, overall pie of hosts, uh, where the other OTAs are more looking to just grab and the ones that are already out there getting a higher share of the of the host of the listings that are already live. So really trying to grow the overall pie. And, and as people and hosts that sort of are part of that pie, I think that's a great thing, especially as it brings new guests uh, to the ecosystem. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I love that concept of um, bringing it to the mainstream, mostly because now I think I can bring it full circle and be like, so what I'm hearing you say is that there's going to be a lot fewer Airbnb virgins out there, Jamie, in the future. Yeah. <laughs> A lot more experienced guests to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> and I will, I will say I was in the airport and in Barcelona and huge billboards all over the airport from Airbnb. So, uh -huh. you know, I think they really are, you know, taking that to heart from their marketing strategy too which we will nerd out on another day because, you know, it's, you know, it's not, it's not as important as supply. Again, you know, supply is the most important thing here, I would say. How was your listing in uh, Barcelona this time? Oh, it was very good. Well, and, but fun fact, it was a boutique hotel. Oh, I know worlds, the worlds are crossing. The worlds are crossing. <laughs> I stayed at Isabella's house. Highly recommend. 
the rooms are colored. Um, like they, there's like a red room and everything is red, like the walls, everything and the furniture. And so like maybe if you if you if you're color sensitive, <laughs> go for the white room or the beige room. Yeah. Or... I really I really wanted the pink room for some reason, but I, I ended up with a red room. It was fine for me. I'm not color sensitive. But if you are and you're like, I hate red, avoid, avoid. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's yes, I feel like we've been we've been burying the lead for a little bit here. Let's talk a little bit about supply, my friend, because that was a topic of conversation in the news last week. Um, everyone wanted to know what was going on with supply, and I think there there was uh, there was a potential to potentially uh, misinterpret some some of the supply based on uh, the decision Airbnb made to back out of China. Would love to know how how's supply doing, Jamie? How, yeah, how's, how's I'm supply going. <laughs> Supply is still growing, uh, still growing um, very strongly. So in the U.S., I mean, overall supply is up and still around 20-25%. That's been really stable. Something we've been talking a bit about is just the churn. And while the churn looked uh, a bit high these past couple months, that was really just Airbnb exiting uh, China, not I mean, sort of an uh, uptick of, of hosts even leaving the platform. And it's been really steadied around 2% of listings leaving each month. Uh, we still have about 3% of listings, uh, overall listings coming in. Uh, so overall supplies growing, excluding the exit of China. And overall listings are still up. I think in October, we were up 18% year over year on Airbnb. That's pretty impressive. 25% and across the board in the U.S., and we're seeing supply begin to accelerate and throughout the rest of the world too. So uh, the sort of recovery that the U.S. hit last year sort of spread out to Europe and South America uh, this year, uh, and we're seeing supply respond. And I, I think we've got a lot of tailwinds uh, heading into 2023 globally, even if there are a bit of sort of supply growth headwinds in the U.S., given some um, pullback and occupancy and some of the things we've been talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. And still it might be, you know, getting a little bit of uh, investor sentiment, you know, just in terms of wanting to buy a house right now. But LATAM, super strong. I know we always see that direct connection to supply going up when it's, you know, the busy travel time in an area. What else? What else happened in October? Speaking of October, I know we're, we're just getting set to release some uh, good stats there. Um, what's the state of the state, my friend? Yeah, I'm not too much dissimilar from September. Uh, so occupancy was still down about 2%. Rates were up about 5%. Uh, so that sort of pegged where we were at in, in September. Uh, demand growth up around 20%. That's I'm very much where we've been uh, throughout 2022. Nights booked up 16%. Uh, that's sort of nights booked in October compared to October of last year. Uh, so in terms of I'm booking pace, and maybe three months ago, we were in mid-20s. Um, so coming in a little bit weaker, but I don't think anyone would um, and complain about 16% growth. Uh, so Sounded good to me. Yeah, and broadly, things are looking good. Yeah, I know if we see 16% growth for extended period of time when supply is still growing and 23, 24%, that may be a pause for concern going forward. But we are going to have some weird comps coming up. Uh, so think about last year, 
And this is going to be really important for people as re they're reviewing their year-over-year -year figures because we had Delta, we had Omicron, um, right. and there were some right. wild sort of month month to month swings in bookings. As like with Delta, we and we we were sort of in it in August and September. We sort of came out of it in October, November. It was like, oh yeah, bookings. Like, uh, let's book for the holidays, and then. The holidays started coming around. And it was like, oh no, Omicron, like don't book, don't travel. Uh, right, right. And then yeah. we saw that huge surge in cases uh, into July, into January. So I definitely take I'm sort of the month or the year over year changes a bit with a bit of a grain of salt as we're going to be sort of hitting some weird, weird comps um, in the months ahead. That's a really good note. I love that. Um, and I think that, you know, so like, yes, absolutely. Like, you know, don't in index off just one year of data, right? That's why we always go back and look at 2019 too, which was sort of pre-pandemic. And yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting, right? Because like COVID still hasn't gone away. Now there's all these other things to worry about, like RSV. You know, it's like, it's just never, apparently never goes away. Um, so it'd be very interesting to see what happens. And then yes, guys, y'all, as we say, don't index off the high, look at 2019. That's why we always bring it up when we show you the year over year stats as well. Well, good. Well, it sounds like the state of the state is good. We're it's Thanksgiving, obviously today when people will be listening to this podcast, Jamie. So how did th how did we do for Thanksgiving this year? I was at the airport yesterday. It was getting a little crazy already there. It was you know it wasn't a pleasant airport experience. I'll say, I'll say that. Yeah. Well, and if you're listening to the podcast, I'd say there's a high likelihood you're away from home and you're either staying with <laughs> friends and family or you're staying in a short-term rental. I mean, we've already seen, um, this is data through last week, like 2 million um, nights booked for the weekend of Thanksgiving, sort of peaking on Thursday night at almost uh, 630,000 listings booked. Uh, that's up, what, 16% uh, year over year. So more people than ever before staying in a short-term rental over thanksgiving love it uh they're paying more their I mean, rates are up about four and a half percent so as an industry i mean, things looking pretty good for the holidays um yeah. as we look out to christmas i'm more of the same nothing yet i would that i see to be concerned about i love it and I'm, i can't wait next time we'll talk we'll talk all about what to expect for the holidays i like this idea all right, Jamie. Well, I have to ask you the question. What are you thankful for today on this day of gratitude? So um, I'm obviously thankful for my family. Uh, Shout my out to kid, the family. <laughs> my wife, who uh, keeps me sane. But I mean, since and we're- brings you um, coffee. She also brings you coffee in addition to keeping you sane. They may be correlated. Or she did while I was quarantining. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was a, Oh, that was a one-time offer. That was a, a one-time thing, yeah. Okay, okay. Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> uh, but since we're talking about data, I'll, I'll go with some, with some, some data I'm thankful for. Uh, so in November, we had one of our first sort of positive in terms of sentiment inflation reports. Uh, so um, while inflation still came in high, it was lower than expectations and sort of potentially puts us over the hump of inflation growth uh, and sort of tells the Fed that they could potentially pivot towards a pause on uh, interest rate increases. And the stock market uh, was definitely uh, excited by the news. We saw and the markets go up substantially in the two days following that re report. So a lot of positive sentiment. Powell did come out, uh, the Fed chair saying like, hey, don't get too excited because if you get too excited, 
uh, inflation will just keep going up. So I'm trying to throw maybe a, a wet blanket on some of the positive sentiment. <laughs> uh, but as an economist, uh, I was excited and sort of had our first positive surprise uh, on the inflation numbers. I, I would say that's definitely something to be grateful for. And yeah, I, I love, I like, yeah, like it just really, just with the recession, it's just like, just don't talk about it. Don't think about it. Just like positive vibes all around and maybe it's all going to work out. Yeah, so Mariah, what are what are you thankful for? Well, you're you're making me realize I do definitely need to shout out my husband, um, who just spent you know ten days with my kids on his own. So very grateful to have such a wonderful parenting partner. Um, he is always and always and will be the better half uh, of this dynamic comedy duo. Then you know, data wise, I think I think I'm going to say that I'm I'm grateful for you know supply continuing to do a decent job here. It hasn't completely fallen off a cliff, and that makes me super happy. Of course, in tandem with demand, not also jumping off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, for for our business of um, supporting supply growth and sort of democratizing the data around short term rental investment, like we want supply to continue to grow, especially if it's really. Yeah. And done in a, in the right way. So I'm yeah, absolutely. yeah, I would agree. I mean, my stance for what it's worth, not that anyone needs to know, um, is that, you know, hitting the mainstream, having more people interested in short-term rentals, vacation rentals as a means uh, of travel and exploring the world is nothing but good news for everybody in the business. That's my positive take y'all. All right. Well, I think I say we, I say we tell these people happy Thanksgiving. I hope you're all incredibly full of delicious food and yeah, have a wonderful Thanksgiving with your friends and family and other people you're grateful for. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Bye guys. Bye.